0: Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad you could join us this morning. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And we welcome you all
1: today. Thank you for coming. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from page 62 of Divinity Course in General Coletania. Study the the Bible constantly, daily, and dear one, pray. Ask the divine love every day to give you all that the Lord's prayer inculcates. Go alone by yourself one half hour every morning and ask God good. Thy kingdom come. Ask to establish the reign of honesty, peace, and purity in your consciousness and to overthrow and cast out all that is unlike the Christ love. Ask to forgive those that wrong you even as God forgives you and see how this must be for you to reflect God. Ask for deliverance from temptation. Ask for patience, meekness, peace, and so may the grace of God be with you. Mary Luther Eddy. So beautiful. Thank you. And the watch.
2: Watch number 184. Watch left in your effort to realize that God is love. You fail to strengthen your faith in your ability to reflect that love. Rain would do little good if people endeavored to catch it in cracked vessels. What good is love to man if animal magnetism has tricked him out of his confidence in his ability to reflect it? Man's ability to reflect love is just as real as love itself. Man is the reflection of love. And he needs only to acknowledge this fact. All there is to error is the acknowledgement of it. Similarly, with good, the acknowledgement of man's reflection of love must accompany the admission that God is love.
0: Thank you. Comments on that. I missed the line. I love the line. Man's ability to reflect
3: love is just as real as love itself.
0: It is. It's so important because, you know, people can bemoan that they don't feel loving or that they don't feel that God is love. This is the basis of the science. And yes, as reflections, we all reflect that Love. Our subject today, of course, is everlasting punishment, and Mrs. Evans used to call it everlasting love because it was sort of a distasteful topic, or it could sound that way. Um, But it isn't really. And what does Mrs. Eddy say? the The design of love is to do what? Reform the sinner. Thank you. Reform the sinner. Love has many aspects to it. It's always love, but uh, it can be gentle and tender-hearted, kind. It can also be strong, powerful, and seem a little tough. <laughs> but it it must be, and that is the divine love that we all need to learn to express and get past just that human sense of love which tolerates error and lets it go on and continue and doesn't deal with it properly um, as it always must this has been a big failing of the teachings I think what I hear in the organization where they're not taught this it's all about the, the love 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 and it's not about the tougher aspects of love that both our master Christ Jesus expressed and lived and Mrs. Eddie as well and as you grow in the science you will find you you have to you can't hold back. it's a sign of disobedience if you do So
4: any- I
2: like oh, I, I like the hymn love Mrs. Eddie's hymn. Um, where she says fed by thy love divine we live for love alone is life and if you're not loving you're really not living. And that really when I sometimes catch myself and Is that the most loving thing to do I thought well, if I want to live the life you know i I've got to be, I've got to be that love because that is my life.
5: Thank
0: you. Absolutely, and this is the—that's really the thrust of this whole lesson. Um, everlasting punishment is when you—I mean, there are many various forms of it, but one of it is—is is not loving yourself, not loving your neighbors, yourself, not loving God. It's hell, isn't it? And it, yeah, we learn in science that you don't have to do it. You can learn not to do it, how to get out of that self-imposed hell.
1: Um, but it's also believing the lie about another man, you know, and it goes on and on. If you believe in about another man, the lie, then so for yourself, too. That's right.
0: We always separate the error from the person. The person you do not or the error you cannot tolerate. The person you love is God's child. It's very important to understand that. And in any correction, it's never person. It's never person. It's always the error that's being indulged in. So um, Louise. Wrote about on the forum, and I'm grateful there were more contributions to the forum this week, which I was grateful for. Um, Florence and I talked about putting the shutting the forum, forum down unless there's not more contributions. And what what is the guidelines, Jeremy? Briefly of it, you don't have to read it. Just tell us.
4: Oh, basically that the forum is here for us to. Uh, share insights and questions and comments that we've had from reading the weekly lesson. And keeping it short and clear <laughs> and accurately citing and, <laughs> everything.
0: And, 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 and practical. And practical. Yes, yeah. things that it's you...
1: Practical. So it can bless someone, that's all. Yeah. you're really gaining some, some understanding that you didn't have before you're inspired by it, and you share it just to bless another. That's why. Yes, thank you.
0: And it doesn't. If I didn't don't comment on your forum during a roundtable, doesn't mean it wasn't good. It just means I
5: didn't have time.
0: Yeah, I didn't have time. <laughs> I get I get a lot of things, and also if you want to send directly to Florence or myself things that perhaps are longer, or to Carol, it might make a good article. You know, you can do that. Um. Right, Florence? That would be perfectly yeah. fine. Mm-hmm, that would be fine. That would be fine, yes. So, what was the motive of Mrs. Eddie? Why did she have this topic of everlasting punishment? Well, old
2: theology. Doesn't yes. it come from old theology? So, there's no hell where we're going to be damned for life.
3: <laughs>
2: and that's what old theology part of what old theology teaches.
3: Yes. I've said it before, uh, I think <clears throat> that a lot of, and I was raised in a Protestant church, that death releases you from everything, and Mrs. Eddie makes it perfectly clear that is not the case. And and, and you feel, I feel, when I look back on it, um, it I'm not sorry for them, but uh, what a
0: shame that they don't know. They've got to do it now. Thank you. Yeah, we have to do it now.
5: Right. That's one of the many false beliefs that Mrs. Eddy has chosen subject matters to debunk. For example, that's why probation after death is a subject. Yeah. There is a probationary period. An everlasting punishment is to debunk the false belief that there is, there are some people who are damned for life, either for what they did or for who they were born to or for some other stupid reason, all of which is wrong.
1: Yeah, I worked with a lady. Um, she was in her 90s, early 90s, but so very spry. Um And she had done something in her 20s and at ninety. She was still condemning herself. I mean, it, it was just so sad. And that's what, well, I mean, what we were doing at that time had led to what she was suffering because of something she had done maybe, what is it, maybe 50, 60 years ago. You know, she has not forgiven herself. So, devil and punishment subject is important. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah. And this is what um, in, in Louise's post, and I know most of you know this as well, but when Mrs. Eddie rebelled at this at the tender age of 12, when admission to the congregational church of her parents was to occur. However, before this step was taken, the doctrine of unconditional election or predestination greatly troubled me for I was unwilling to be saved if my brothers and sisters were to be numbered among those who were doomed to perpetual banishment from God. My father's relentless theology emphasized a belief in a final judgment day in the danger of endless punishment. And that's from retrospection and introspection. She rebelled against that. And as Chardell was saying, and and Florence, I mean, many churches... Religions preach this, and it isn't it so refreshing? Which what Mrs. Eddie says about it, and and in science and health, sin makes its own hell, and goodness, its own heaven.
4: It is wonderful because the the Christian churches I attended in my youth, I think the the way that they had power was because there was this judgment day coming and, and hell waiting for you if you didn't go through them. <laughs> Whereas Christian science is there's this wonderful thing happening and you know, if follow our way and you'll get to it, you know, but if you if you don't know you will later. So it will happen eventually. I love that that's for everyone. So it is
0: wonderful. What a how wonderful that revelation is. And you know it's true because it feels right. The other feels awful, doesn't it?
5: Mm-hmm. The way is a scientific way, Mm. it is a science. It is not an organization or a belief system. It is God's laws that govern the universe, including you and me.
1: But as a shepherd, he's also given us all that we need to do in order to be following him and be free of all these things, it's clear. Mm-hmm. It's the you know all the other.
0: It's a matter of of dedicating ourselves to it. Um, I, I liked uh, I guess it was Philip who wrote about it was actually the Wednesday meeting, but it was helpful because I love that beautiful quote from miscellaneous writings that a little more grace, a motive made pure, A few truths tenderly told, a heart softened, a character subdued. A life consecrated would restore the right action of the mental mechanism and make manifest the movement of body and soul in accord with God. It's a beautiful treatment. (laughs) And those, well, list of those beautiful things. And the, the last one, a life consecrated, and he is quoting I guess that Myrtle Smith from Ireland, and I believe she was an independent, right? She was.
3: Yeah, she, she was. forced to it.
0: Yeah. Forced into it as we were. Consecrated every day, every hour, and not just when it suits us. Tithe time and pray for church, Christian science movement, practitioners, local community, local council, our government, leaders, world beliefs. Pray for the government and know that God is really governing, that politicians, bureaucrats, and public services are his children, too, and all reflect the one mind and have the same source of intelligence. It goes on, but it's just that idea of consecration to this cause. Um, And it takes that. It takes truly that, not off and on and not when you feel like it. It's always in this, always working.
4: But makes me think of uh, Herbert Ricci in that No Big Power Veto. He talks about consecration being like the focus outward, not the focus inward.
0: So. Thank you. Yes. I know part of my definition of everlasting punishment is just um, only concerned with your own life. To me, because that's where I was when I first came to this church, even though I thought it was a Christian scientist. It was all about my own life, how to make my own life better. And that was, was everlasting hell. The more I focused on it, the worse everything got. It was only through the teachings of the true science that I learned here that I learned it, it isn't about me at all. It's about what we're talking about, this consecration, this working for God. Um, Today, some of what we're going to talk about is Mrs. Eddie's love, how she demonstrated it, how she lived it, this true sense of love, and how eventually she ascended because she had done this and she had worked unselfishly for mankind for so many years. Uh, Yesterday, Saturday, often on Saturdays here, we come to church, some of us, and we uh, we do recording. We, we work on various things here. And then we also have lunch here. And yesterday, um, Bruce was waxing eloquent about he had just completed reading the three Doris Greckle books about Mrs. Eddie. There's it's a trilogy and how wonderful they are. And she acknowledged that. Um, of course, Mrs. Eddy being the woman in the apocalypse. And anyway, I was feeling, I was up during the night, I was feeling a little sad. He's, he, he's not here at the round tables because he sings with the group and he has to practice on Sunday mornings. But then when I went into my office, because he said so many wonderful things. But when I went into the office during the night, I'd gotten the thought to turn to The Healer, the book by David keeston And I opened right to the things that he said. They were also in that book. So The Healer by David Keeston, the, th- the trilogy, Doris Greckle's biographies of Mrs. Eddy are invaluable to study and read, as well as we've talked about um, the Carpenter books, of course. But in The Healer, part of what she says or he says um, during the last 50-70 years, the emphasis on healing and spiritual growth through the church has taken a back seat to more secular interests and promotions, and obedience to Mrs. Eddy's commands has been sidelined, resulting in the tragic decline of the church we see today. Much of today's generation of Christian scientists have taken the prescription of Christian science through faith, and not through understanding. This has resulted in a laity that knows or understands little of the healing truth, but believes that it does work. Other impediments to healing have been the love of materialism and sensuality, both antagonistic to spiritual growth. One wonders if there is any chance for Mrs. Eddy's prophecy regarding Christian science to come to pass. She told her household, if the students live up to the teachings of our textbook, Christian science will be the only universal religion by the end of this century. She added, but if they do not live up to what they know to be Christian science, this planet will be destroyed about the year 2100. Hmm. At the end of this century, Christian science will be the only universal, universal, excuse me, she explained why the above was true in a statement recorded by Elizabeth Earl Jones about 1905. At the end of this century, Christian science will be the only universally acknowledged religion in the world because the other religions have no demonstrating basis. But much work remains undone. Much self-denial waits for all before this can be fulfilled. The main thing for us to handle is the devilish suggestion that would make us fold our hands till this manifests itself. But truth demands work work, work, never forget that. So is that what we see? And all we can do is ask of ourselves, is that what we do? I I mean, this is a dire prediction, right? And here we stand, so help us God. And as I've said, we can change the course of history by doing this work, but it requires dedicated workers who come with great humility who are ready to do this work and not justify their actions or uh, you know go off on their own reverie so to speak but to be consecrated warriors to doff their lavender kid zeal and be consecrated warriors as Mrs. Eddie says now just a little bit of this where the golden text says that excuse me, the responsive reading. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we have, we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So, and that is what Karen said about the watching point. You know, Mrs. Eddie used to love, or Mrs. Evans used to love the story when she would go to her practitioner, a fine old time practitioner, no nonsense. And, uh, Mrs. Evans was saying, and she was a young adult at that time, you know, there was just somebody she didn't like. And Nana Ritchie pounded on her desk and said, then you hate them. So that gave something for Mrs. Evans to think about, (laughs) because sometimes we think, oh, well, well, maybe we don't like a person or a particular situation or whatever. Well, there's no in-between. You either do love them as God's child or you're hating. And hating is a plague spot that spreads its virus and kills at last, right?
5: And it kills the hater, not the hated.
0: And that is why in, uh, in science and Health, she says, hatred, envy, dishonesty, fear, and so forth make a man sick. And neither material medicine nor mind can help him permanently, even in body, unless it makes him better mentally, and so delivers him from his destroyers. The basic error is mortal mind. Hatred inflames the brutal propensities. The indulgence of evil motives and aims makes any man who is above the lowest type of manhood a hopeless sufferer. Now, who wants that? But she's very clear. Now, this isn't like airy-fairy, God is love talk. <laughs> she's giving you practical, practical instruction. So, if we don't want to be in everlasting punishment, we have to learn to love our neighbor as ourselves, and what that truly means. And it is a divine concept as is also brought out in the lesson where she says to love one's neighbor as oneself is a divine idea, but but this idea can never be seen, felt, nor understood through the physical senses. The only way to do it is what the watching point says is to know you're the image and likeness of divine love, the love of God and get rid of all your human
4: Beliefs, the
0: beliefs about it. Now, go
4: it just ahead. Just reminded me of that Eustace letter where the husband that was passing on came back and told the wife that if they they knew you as you really were, they would love you.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. Yeah. And you know, thinking about the religions that teach about this everlasting punishment and everything, uh, a while ago I'd seen it was someone talking. He, he was some kind of a minister. He was talking about casting out demons and dealing with witch, witchcraft. And he said the three.
4: Oh, yeah, the, the, the three signs. That the three
0: signs of, of yeah witchcraft were
4: domination, manipulation, and intimidation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's very important to know this, because if you ever feel dominated, manipulated, or intimidated, something's afoot, <laughs> okay? You need to question it. And you see the churches by saying, listen, if you don't do this, that, or the next thing, you're going to be in hell for the rest of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big bit of domination, intimidation, and manipulation, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. So... <laughs>
5: Of course, their answer to getting out of it is just give us enough money, and you know, and we'll free you from all of this guilt and fear. For a moment. For a moment, yeah. Yes. Until next year.
0: <laughs> so don't let anything or anyone or any situation dominate you, intimidate you, or manipulate you. You're a free agent of God, and if that is going on, then you've got to rise in rebellion against it. And sometimes you can't be most times you cannot be nice because that, that is a carnal mind and it's aggressive. It's aggressive mental suggestion, the carnal mind. That's what it is. You give it whatever name you want to call it, witchcraft, whatever you want to call it, but that's what it is. And it is to be completely resisted and cast out.
5: And, and it's, strictly for your own good that you do so, because uh, one of the things that Mrs. Evans uh, reiterated in her teaching of us was that the mortal mind, the human mind, the carnal mind, whatever you want to call it, is a murderer. Now think about it. A murderer, it's not your friend. It has nothing to do with life or truth, let alone love. So it's always been helpful to me to remember that the human mind, if I feel the human mind trying to you know, manipulate or dominate or intimidate, it, it it's a murderer trying to put me in a position where it can destroy me
0: and and you see those thoughts come as your suggestions i mean it's not necessarily another person or situation it comes to your thought as a as a dominating manipulating and intimidating thought that's how error comes to you to boss you around
5: yeah yeah no, no
1: government Yes.
5: Yeah, I mean, there there are you know sort of beliefs generally accepted in our society that are quote dominating or intimidating.
0: One of them is chauvinism, um, and it can be male or female, but that's that's and that's how many people are raised to be chauvinistic. It is what Mrs. Eddie had to deal with, right?
5: The belief. That we are all separate minds, and that some minds are better than others, right?
1: right. Yes, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I feel self-government under God to be really safe. I feel that. And when you so. know
0: that, you would, when you know that, when anyone would try to approach. You will know what's operating and you will cast it out. When you know you are governed by God, if anything approaches you to dominate, manipulate, or intimidate, you will sniff it, you will smell a rat, as they say. You will know it is not person, place, or thing, but it is animal magnetism trying to take over your Christ consciousness, and you will cast it out.
5: By casting it out, you rise above it and destroy it in your own consciousness. It doesn't mean to have a conversation with it or to beat it with a stick. It means you beat it mentally in your own consciousness because that essentially is the only place that it exists. You don't let it into your own consciousness. If you shut it out, it won't have any effect on you. And you're shutting it out, and your love for your neighbor as yourself, in other words, seeing your neighbor as the image and likeness of God, will neutralize the intention that it had, both for you and for anyone around you. It will work wonders Or. Miracles, as some people like to say.
0: Harry <laughs> he sent me this beautiful article called From Death unto Life um, by an Albert Gilmore in an old Sentinel, 1924. And he says, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Startling statement. We pass from death unto life because we love our fellow man. Transcendent truth. Loving the brethren, then, is the great necessity. Thereby do we overcome as a necessary experience the belief termed death. And this victory is won in proportion as we gain that spiritual understanding of God and man, wherein life is revealed as perfect, eternal, and changeless. You know, Mrs. Eddie once said um, that... When Christian scientists learn to love each other, there'll be no need for church. (laughs) So all of this is is part of our growth and part of learning to live that life that knows no death. And this article also says, since God is love and God is life, to love is to live. That is to love is to reflect the life in which death has no part. Why does hatred bring death? Christian Science declares that hatred implies existence apart from God, which there is none.
1: Which there is none is denying God's oneness, too, isn't it? Really, it, it, it absolutely mm-hmm. goes back
0: to that first commandment. Now, again, in the healer, um, I love this. I've, I've read it to you before, but I, I love. It. I think of it often. It's on page. 141, um, when um, a student of Mrs. Eddy's wrote a letter to Mrs. Eddy at a time when she was exercised in her mind about a patient who showed great resentment toward Mrs. Eddy. Although she had not actually mentioned the patient, the reply from Mrs. Eddy contained the advice. Turn your patient's thought to God and let love show show, show me to him just as I really am. And the patient was healed. Mm -hmm. So that is why. That's how Mrs. Eddie operated. And that is why, you know, when you think someone is hating you or malpracticing on you and all that. Well, (laughs) this is what Mrs. Eddie did. She turned them over to God. She said, "Let, let, let love speak to them. And love will show them who and what you really are. And if you really know that truth. The results will be tremendous, will heal that pay, that person, if in fact that was happening. Mrs. Eddy never feared malpractice because she knew because it wasn't of God, it had no power unless you give it power by fearing it and by perhaps not liking the other person or the person you think who is malpracticing on you.
5: That And when you do that. You're giving power to the malpractice, right? You're reacting.
1: It's real.
4: To the wrong thing, and then you're malpracticing, right? Yes,
0: and then and then you become inadvertently you become the malpractitioner.
4: <laughs> I did want to say for anyone who's wondering, the healer and the Doris Greco books are available on Healing Unlimited's website. So
0: thank you very much mm-hmm. for that. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, um, Linda, what did you write on the forum? I
3: found a quote this week when I was reading that I thought was very um, just was very interesting because we live in such a new age period uh, with all the way it's all over our culture um, that it was very strong and uh, it's from Rudimental Divine. Uh, mental divine science yes and she writes quote christian scientist knows that in science disease is unreal that mind is not in matter that life is god good hence life is not functional and is neither matter nor mortal mind knows that pantheism and theosophy are not science Whatever saps with human belief, this basis of Christian science renders it impossible to demonstrate the principle of this science, even in the smallest degree, end quote. And I thought, wow, just, just you can't play around with this. And just definition of sap is to undermine, to subvert by removing the foundation. And uh, see, so it just, you can't even dip in this uh, the, this raw, uh, new age writings, they, they they come to try to be appealing. I think that this is all is love and there's no handling animal magnetism.
0: Yeah, it's lacking the handling of the animal magnetism. And there are many things in Mrs. Eddy's writings, yes, and that that is certainly what we str- are striving for, this um, knowing the allness of God. And in knowing that, the era gets destroyed. But the animal magnetism has to be handled. And, again, this is perhaps is another reason why the organization has had a difficulty. It doesn't seem to want to handle the animal magnetism. Nobody really wants to. Yeah. It's not a lot of fun. Um,
4: I just wanted to say is for the new age, um, you know, that sap is, you know, removing the foundations It says in the Bible about how, you know, the only foundation is Christ Jesus. So I'm just thinking of that this week. Thank you. Because they don't have that.
0: (laughs) They don't have that. That's right. And it is, it permeates everywhere. I was saying, you know, the little town we live in, there was this new shop um, called Lupa Apothecary. And there was something in the local paper about it. And. Lupa, of course, is the word for wolf. And and uh, this young girl, you know, she grew up in in town and uh, so happy to open up this shop. But it's it's very strange. And, and she, it's sort of based on this Roman mythology that there was a wolf, a she-wolf who had raised <laughs> twins. Who Anyway, it, it's on Roman mythology. And we innocently went in there once after having lunch at a cafe nearby. And, and what was it like?
4: Yeah, they had all kinds of new age stuff, but they did have this one thing that was just a, a starter kit for like um, herbs. So I bought that in the hopes that she realized that's the only thing that sells. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know there were these, There were books about witchcraft and stuff like this, and I thought, goodness. And someone was telling me it is more and more permeating uh, our youth. Our youth, yeah. The movies. The, the books. movies. And, and all of this business of magic, and I looked up magic, magic, science of producing wonderful effects by the, I um, hmm, can't read my writing, but anyway, superhuman, oh, by the aid of super, superhuman beings or departed spirits, sorcery, superstition, invocation of devils or demons, s- supposes uh, and, and supposes some tacit agreement between them and human beings. I looked up that word tacit. Consent by silence. No objection or opposition is made. This is all that the so called devil wants. And it is a so called devil. It wants you to be silent and not oppose it. Aha, uh-huh, you get this? And what does the Bible say? Resist the devil.
1: From and he will yeah. from you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, there must be resistance to it. And if it seems to be in your experience, you've got to resist it. If you're tacit and just don't say anything, silent that's silent acceptance. That's just what this so-called animal magnetism wants, because then it'll push in a little farther. That witchcraft stuff has been thrown at my daughter a lot. So
2: it's very prevalent out there. Thought is very strong and it's coming under the guise of a very subtle form of it, more just like herbology and crystals. And it's supposed to be like all for good. And that the thought came to me actually some time ago before this even really started to crop up in her life. But we get so I, I've stopped accepting this idea that there's a, a million different paths to God. I mean, the Bible says the way is straight and the gate is narrow. Yeah. I don't think that there's a million different paths. I don't think you can get to God through some sort of herbology witchcraft. You know, it's just, I think that's a lie that was that cleverly tries to just get into our thought and get accepted.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much. Absolutely. But, you know, thank you for saying that about, you know, your daughter, I I see it prevalent. it, It sneaks into Disney movies and things and all this magic stuff. And instead of, using well no one's supposed to be talking about god anymore they just talk about uh well magical kind of things so we must be aware of of it in order to handle it and know it's nothingness anybody else
4: well i think the door was opened by so-called christians being hateful and then you know then it opened it up to all this other stuff If Christians were actually Christian, there wouldn't be a need for it.
0: Thank you very much. It's
4: absolutely.
0: Or
3: they weren't standing up to it either, because there's a Jezebel feel to some of this too. And it's very appealing to the senses and uh, tries to draw the attractive, also.
0: Thank you. Um,
5: Yeah, there's a vacuum, isn't
0: there?
5: A vacuum, yes. that the churches are not meeting; they're not filling. Yeah. That it shows. That Mrs. Eddie says she makes great demands on love. We need yeah. great demands on love. We need to give our children Christian Science because it is what they are craving. And the and the enemy, mortal mind, mortal beliefs are threatened by it, of course, and they will resist and they will try to make themselves look as appealing as possible to keep our children from recognizing that the science is the truth and the only way to live.
3: Paul inspired them to burn the witchcraft books in one of the cities we went in.
0: Yeah, they they didn't fool around in those days. They were not playing. <laughs> and, and we must indeed
5: but but it's it's a warfare for the for the for the minds of our children. The children, yes,
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yes. And, and it okay. sneaks in very. Um, oh, you think it's okay? It's all right, but just be aware of it. You know, you, if you make too big of a reality of it and go kaflooey over it, then they will resist that well, too. They won't be attracted to it. Yeah, yeah. right. But right. no, they've got the mind of Christ, and there's only the one real attraction—that of spirit, as Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health. And even if your child does go through some difficult times, he'll come out on the best
4: on the best side.
1: Go
0: ahead.
4: And they're just finding out the 10,000 ways that didn't
1: work. Come back to the one way, there's only one way. That's right. Mm-hmm. There
0: was another it was a very beautiful article from Carrie called True and False Religion, and it speaks to what we're talking about, where Matthew 20 Verily I say unto you, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall no wise enter in the the kingdom of heaven. That's kind of talking about what Jeremy was talking about. He he goes into this. These people were supposed to be very religious. They were supposed to represent the religion of the times, and yet they were very dour. They were very unloving. Yeah, Yeah, you you certainly see it if any of you are watching The Chosen. I mean, some of the things they do are just outlandish. They're not getting it. And then he goes on to say, to become truly religious is to pass from darkness to light, from doubt to assurance, from perplexity to peace, from death to life. Um, True religion is to come out of our narrow selves, the mortal limitations, into the union with and the realization of the great and good and beautiful, the all in all. Jesus himself was a perfect sunbeam carrying sunshine wherever he went. It would seem so from record unmistakably. So we must be that sunshine, get the right sense of Christianity. All right. Be a beam of sunshine, not an old dower correcting this, that and the next thing and scaring people off. When you have to speak, you speak with principle and great love and that must be done. But, uh,
5: and let the life that you live be the best sermon that anybody ever heard. That's
1: right. Gentle.
0: Also in The Healer, there's this story, and I've, I have mentioned it probably many times, about a woman whose child was healed by Mrs. Eddie. It was the uh, 4th of July Independence Day, the child saw Mrs. Eddie, and Mrs. Eddie looked into her eyes. She had a, the child had a bad boil on her head, but after the healing and I love this, and this is another example of the divine love. um, And this is how it affected the mother, this mother love and how she knew how she'd been lacking in it. As I turned in the procession and walked, walked toward the line of trees in the front of the yard, There was a bird sitting on the limb of a tree, and I saw the same love poured out on that bird that I had seen flow from Mrs. Eddy to my children. I looked down at the grass and the flowers, and there was the same love resting on them. It is difficult for me to put into words what I saw. This love was everywhere, like the light, but it was divine, not mere human affection. I looked at the people milling around on the lawn, and I saw it poured out on them. I thought of the various discords in this field, and I saw for the first time the absolute unreality of everything but this infinite light. It was not only everywhere present like the light, but it was an intelligent presence that spoke to me. And I find myself—I found myself weeping as I walked back and forth under the trees and saying out loud, why did I never know you before? Why have I not known you always? When we got back to the hotel, there was no boil on my child's head. It was just as flat as the back of her hand. Each time I saw Mrs. Eddy, I had a wonderful revelation of God. I know she was no ordinary woman. God had anointed her with the oil of gladness above her fellows. It's Such a beautiful... Beautiful story of the love of Mrs. Eddie, this divine love that we all seek to feel and to live. Now, what, um, what Bruce was talking about yesterday, I'll, I'll go into a little bit because I did feel it was something God wanted me to share since I turned right to it. Again, from the book, The Healer. And I believe this is um, this is David Keaston speaking. At first, I'll let Gary read. I'll have to tell him when to stop. It's a little long. You start there and go, because we're coming close to the end
5: now. Okay. Well, the message I am about to impart is not only an important message for all Christian scientists, but in my estimation, it is the most important incident in Mrs. Eddy's experience, which proves without any doubt the infallibility of her complete demonstration of the revelation of Christian science. 25 years ago, I had the privilege of visiting all of the historical landmarks pertaining to Mrs. Eddy's revelation of Christian science. Our last stop of this tour was Mrs. Eddy's bedroom. This room was homespun and expressed simplicity. I was impressed to see several pictures of Jesus hanging on the walls. It was at this moment that my guide turned to me and said that she felt impelled to tell me what happened to Mrs. Eddy on December 3, 1910, the day of her passing. She went to the door of the bedroom to see if we were alone and then proceeded to tell me the following incident, which was told to her by Miss Adelaide Still one of three persons watching with Mrs. Eddy in the final hours of her human experience. She told me that Miss Still had requested her not to repeat what she was about to tell me, because she had promised those in authority at the Boston headquarters of the Christian Science Church never to speak of this experience to anyone. I can assure you that by this time, I was not only awed, but more than moved, by what she was relating, quote, on the night Mrs. Eddy passed, her three valued and beloved workers were with her. They were Miss Adelaide Still, Mrs. Laura Sargent, and Mr. Calvin Fry. On this eventful day in December, 1910, the furnace had ceased to function, and a repairman had been summoned to fix it. When he arrived, Mr. Fry and Mrs. Sargent went downstairs to the first floor to admit the repairman. Mr. Fry accompanied him to the basement while Mrs. Sargent waited in the front hall. Miss Still was left sitting by Mrs. Eddy's bed. In a short while, the furnace was in working order and Mr. Fry and Mrs. Sargent hurried to the second floor to return to their post by Mrs. Eddy's side. As they neared the bedroom, they noticed that Miss Still was standing in the doorway. Approaching her side, they looked into the bedroom and beheld Mrs. Eddy by the side of the bed smiling at them. Then Mrs. Eddy turned and pointed to the bed where they saw the form of the one they had called Mother. As their gaze turned again to Mrs. Eddy, she was shaking her head back and forth as if to say, I am not there, I have risen. Then, as these three watched, the vision of their beloved leader gradually faded from their sight. At that moment, as I stood there looking into Mrs. Eddy's bedroom, I felt a wave of insight into the magnitude of Mrs. Eddy's mission I had never felt before. They had witnessed the ascension of their leader. Before we returned to the entrance hall on the main floor, my guide, who had told me her name, which I have forgotten, expressed the importance of what she had related to me. She repeated that she felt impelled to tell me this incident, which she had heard from the lips of Adelaide Still, who was her sister.
0: Everlasting love. Thank you all for joining us today.
3: Thank you. Thank you. you.